0: Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, Director of Foothill Psychiatry in Boise, your host, and with me today is Dr. Susan McDaniel, Professor of Psychiatry and Family Medicine at the University of Rochester School of Medicine. She is nationally and internationally known for her publications on families and health. Her most recent book is Individuals, Families, and the New Era of Genetics. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Leslie. Uh, Dr. McDaniel, what is the first step in helping families that are facing genetic issues?
1: I think the first step really is education for people to talk to their primary care physician or if they've already identified a genetic problem to talk to their geneticist and their genetic counselor and really educate themselves about the issue because genetic disorders really vary.
0: So proper foundation, education, um, then what? Well, I think that then
1: seeking the appropriate support, really working to communicate with each other as family members, perhaps talking with a behavioral specialist and talking to other families who may have a very similar kind of problem
0: can be really useful. So uh, let me get this straight. Do you recommend that all patients and families that are experiencing these issues um, seek professional help or only if they have problems? How do you know when to get the psychology people involved?
1: Well, I think a, a lot of places that do genetic testing and geneticists may involve behavioral health specialists who have a special interest in this area. And if the world was organized the way I think it should be, (laughs) um, I would have behavioral health specialist as part of the team because I think that it's a hard thing to go through for any family, no matter how healthy. And it's useful to have somebody facilitate the communication and help support people going through the decision-making process or dealing with disclosure after the testing's been done.
0: Now, how can we apply the prevention pyramid model to genetic situations?
1: Well, I think that everybody, their primary care physician, takes a kind of family map of everyone and listens for what might be genetic disorders. So in that way, ideally, everyone is screened universally for obvious genetic disorders. Then, we take a group that really looks like they could have a genetic disorder, and they go for either screening or testing by their primary care doctor or geneticist. That group I would involve in the genetic health care team, the geneticist, the genetic counselor, the primary care professional, and the behavioral health specialist. People who are having particular difficulty in uh, making a decision or in communicating with each other or in deciding what to do, those people might come to us and we may have anywhere from one consultation session to I have a patient who took a year to decide whether or not to uh, be tested for the breast cancer mutation, and she ultimately decided not to. But she really needed a long time to think it through.
0: Give us some of the reasons why people would choose not to be tested. Because they feel
1: that they wouldn't change their lifestyle. I think it really depends also on what the illness is in the person's family. If it's an illness that testing positive can really change the way they're treated, uh, they may really decide to go ahead and do it. If it's an illness, for example, like Huntington, where uh, we don't have any kind of treatment then it's a matter of whether people prefer to know and it helps them put their life in order or they would prefer not to know. A lot of people decide not to be tested for that kind of illness.
0: Do people sometimes get tested, though, before they get married or decide to have children?
1: The uh, transition in the family life cycle is a big time that this comes up. The young woman I was talking about who spent a year deciding about breast cancer mutation It was the year before she was getting married, and it really made her think hard about what she wanted to do. She came back for a few sessions right before she was going to get pregnant to think about it again. So, yes, I think it really prompts us to think carefully at those points of transition.
0: Usually in most situations, and again, maybe this is just my naivete on the subject, but, you know, usually it's very easy, I think, for us professionals to be impartial. But these seem like such powerful decisions that that it must be hard for you not to have your own opinion about whether they should or shouldn't have, have testing done. Actually,
1: I think once you've seen a number of people like this, they all are. It is incredibly poignant work, and it's intense work. But there's enough variability that over time it's fairly easy to see that it can be hard, the exception of somebody lying about their test result, and then it's clear. But it it can be difficult to decide what the right thing to do is. And I do think our job is to really facilitate people thinking through the options and talking with each other, their partners, their children if it's relevant, their siblings, their parents about what they want to do with this new possibility of having risk information.
0: And how often do you see people lie about the result? Infrequently. Uh, certainly
1: by the time people come to me, they're usually very interested in getting some help and it's infrequent. But there has been one circumstance that I've been involved in that I got called in after the person had lied to their children. I think he just couldn't bear to tell them.
0: So he thought he was doing them a favor by lying. You know, I think
1: probably two parts of him, one knew he wasn't, and the other felt like he just couldn't tolerate telling them that because it put them at increased risk.
0: So is this work best done individually with with the sort of index patient or in a group setting?
1: I think that they're both very important, but the issue of dealing with family issues becomes so prominent So being comfortable dealing with both people and their partners and people with their extended family. One group was 37 people all related to each other that I worked with, with a geneticist and a genetic counselor. becomes very important for people to be able to communicate with each other because one person testing positive may have an effect on the risk of either their child or their sibling. So it makes family communication that much more important, and I have a lot of family sessions.
0: You must have a big office to fit
1: 37 people. We had to get the room that's usually used for a reception (laughs) to be able to meet with them. But usually it's more like 10 or 12 in a group room you know, can accommodate that number.
0: Now, Susan, who is the ideal health care team for these families? You certainly mentioned some psychological support. Who else should be on the team? I think the core members
1: are the primary care physician, if relevant, a geneticist and a genetic counselor, and the specialty healthcare care team that's taking care of the illness, if there is one, the behavioral health specialist. And then if it's relevant for uh, the family people like clergy, may become important. Um, but I think the the healthcare team having those different elements and communicating amongst each other for the good of the family is really important.
0: Now, much of our audience is uh, primary care. This is such a new sort of uh, field that most of us had zero training in. What do you suggest uh, for those of us who need to learn more about this? Where can we go to learn?
1: Well, there's a fair amount of certainly Articles coming out in most every journal on a monthly basis with late breaking news. I w- would recommend our edited book called Individuals, Families in the New Era of Genetics it has general information about how to think of this and then it has chapters written by experts in particular genetic disorders, cystic fibrosis or diabetes, schizophrenia, and I think that can be a place to start,
0: how about for families? Is there a good clearinghouse of information for them? The illness
1: specifics are really quite good. So there are uh, lay groups for most every genetic disorder. There's also the National Genetic Alliance. And if you look on the internet, they can be quite helpful. Yes. The NIH has good websites for patients to go to, uh, the National Institute of Health. Uh, once you have the suspicion that you may have a particular genetic disorder in your family, I would start there.
0: Any other words of advice for those of us not intimately involved in this field?
1: I guess I would just really encourage people to be open to entering into conversations with patients about this information. Uh, for a lot of people, I think it just sounds so complicated, and yet, I think patients really appreciate it, especially if they live in a family that has a lot of a particular genetic condition. It means them living with uncertainty and tolerating ambiguity, and they can really use support from the health professionals. The other caveat I would say is, especially for primary care physicians, to not lose track of supporting people who test negative. There are several new studies showing that People who taste negative are not necessarily permanently relieved. It's a complicated issue in a family with a lot of illness to be somebody who doesn't have the illness and to provide those people with support also.
0: Mm -hmm. And clearly not all of these illnesses are genetic, so just because you test negative doesn't mean you get a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? That's right.
1: That's right. And you may still be at increased risk more than the general population, you're just not at such high risk as somebody in the family who has the mutation. Mm
0: -hmm. So it is complicated. I want to thank our guest today, Dr. Susan McDaniel. We have been discussing psychosocial interventions for families facing genetic risk. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.